Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And today we're talking to Brian Keating, sports director of KOCO, a a news station here in Oklahoma City, and a friend of mine. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on the pod, ready to uh, get it going. And uh, let's have some fun. Yeah, no, looking forward to this. You and I have, uh, you know, quarantine's been very, very odd for a lot of media members. We were essential personnel for sure. And like I was going into a a studio that was uh, completely uh, barren, right? No sales staff, just my manager and any other on-air personality. And that was to keep the on-air staff healthy. And, you know, people don't realize that TV personalities and radio hosts are essential personnel because of the way that we communicate and the ability to communicate. So if something actually does happen here in this, in this country, uh, we are supposed to go do our jobs, right. To be a, a, a part of the communication process, if our traditional forms break down. So, uh, quarantine was uh, a bit eye opening for me. How, how was it for you being in a television personality? Man, it's been nuts. Um, you know, still we're kind of, you know, not back to normal. And you mentioned the sales staff and everything. I mean, I go into an empty building, um, in a lot of ways every day at work. And um, my schedule's so weird now. And it's cool. It's awesome that I can work at home um, for the most part. You know, I can get everything done, get all my graphics, all that kind of stuff done. But, you know, I, I pull up to work about 545 to do the 6 o'clock show. And then I come home and work again. And I go back at 945 to do the 10 o'clock show. And that's, you know, I, that's really worked really well. I give our people a lot of credit for being creative and allowing us freedom to to not always be at the office but man it is it is strange and work is weird we can't go to games and so um i'm glad there are games and that's i think the one thing that i'll take away from this that we've made a lot of sacrifices and all those things but you know there are games and so at least at least we have that to look forward to right no, yeah, no question about that. I, I kind of want to rewind a little bit here. Uh, March, right? I'm sitting in a restaurant here in Oklahoma City actually doing a podcast when I watched the Oklahoma City Thunder walk off the court against the Utah Jazz. Where were you in that moment, and what were you thinking as the world kind of came to a halt for this virus that we had talked about and heard about, but really just didn't necessarily know what the overall impact was going to be here uh, in the U.S.? Just kind of a wild night. Yeah, um, I was in Breckenridge, Colorado, actually. I was on vacation. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was on vacation, and um, that was weird to me, too, on vacation, because I'm in the hot tub with my little niece, and my wife comes in there, and they go, they just canceled the game. And, and you knew everything had kind of changed at that point. Because, you know, even building up to that, we knew about the coronavirus, sort of, and we knew it was kind of a thing, and you know, before we left, it was like, well, there's one or two cases in Summit County, 
are you still going to go? Are you still going to do all the things that, and you know, we got there and everything was really normal. And I remember that last afternoon where everything was kind of normal. Cause me and my niece went um, to this place called downstairs at Eric's and we're playing video games and we're having a good time. And, and everything was, the world was, the world was okay. And then we got home, we're in the hot tub and, and everything changed. And so, you know, for us now, all of a sudden, holy smokes, man, this thing is for real. We are not at home. We're not prepared for this deal. And we've got to get on a plane. I mean, Sam, we went to we went to the airport two days after that. And that was a strange, uh, dystopian oh, situation. Oh, dude, like we're going through the airport and we're telling my niece is five years old. And so like, we have to have her like hold her hands in her pockets and you know, she has to know enough to know that she's got to stay safe. And, you know, this is pre-mask days. We don't even own a mask. You know, we don't wow. even own a mask. And, yeah, like, you know, we're at the airport and everyone's looking around at each other. And it's like, I, the way I kind of described and thought about it in my head, it was like Top Gun where you're just looking out on the horizon and everyone's a bogey. Right, you know, and that's how that's how it felt Holy the whole crap. time. <laughs> what an analogy! And, but I, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, everyone was a bogey out there, and it was like um, we've got to make it home. And you know, you couldn't get this is you couldn't get hand sanitizer. You don't even know if that works. We don't have a mask. All these things we got to get on a plane, and we're just like trying to clean this airplane off to get home. Man, it was that was a weird few days going into a weird few months that you know you get home we don't have food we haven't been we're not prepared for this at all we've been on vacation and um yeah I mean, we had no idea at that point what we were in for but I'll, I'll never forget being at the airport just going holy crap how are we gonna get home I, i've never been more um excited about my platform in sports than I was from March until August, right? Radio is, you know, I, I kind of laugh with you all the time when I come in and, and as a guest on your show, it's such a quick hitter, right? I try to get as much information as I can in a very yeah. short amount of time and uh, we're in and out of the studio and it's like, man, I, I envy these guys, you know, right? So you get to say what you want, get to the point and, and get off the air and um, you know, as I as I went through this summer and radio afforded me a ton of creativity. I, I mean, at one point, Brian, I did a I did a death pool with my coworkers, like literally like team deathmatch, had them killing off each other in radio segments. It was fantastic. And all we did was laugh. And honestly, you know, from a rating standpoint here in Oklahoma City, um, my my guys here in, on the franchise did a little bit better than we expected because we are a little bit younger and a little bit crazier and and had all this creativity that we were able to use during this time. I I, I can't imagine what exactly you were doing uh, as a as a television you know s- sports uh, show host, I mean, what what was that like? And you can only get so creative on TV. Yeah, that was tough. Um, and still to this day, what we're sitting here in in you know, mid September, um, I haven't seen Carson, uh, who's my cohort. I haven't seen him since March. We can't be in the building together. We can't, you know, they can't risk having us both be sick, especially as we get to the middle of football season. Um, we're the fallback. You know, if, if our main anchors get sick or get quarantined or whatnot, I'm the fallback. I could anchor the 10 o'clock show, you know. Um, so it was – it's still been weird. Um, like I say, you know, now at least there's sports. You know, there's stuff to talk about. 
But for a long time, you know, we were doing political political news basically as right. everything was shut down in the coronavirus and um it, it was hard to be creative because nothing was happening and there was news because everything was shutting down and there was news because it looked like we weren't going to play and there was you know we tried our best to be as creative as we could be but you know it's pretty hard to be creative when there are no games i'm at home by myself in my in my home office and you're just trying to figure out how you're going to fill your 245 every day. But the one thing I got real tired of doing is political news. And, and that's what we turned into, right? I mean, um, whether it was, should we shut down? Should we have sports? Then came, you know, the protests and the riots and all the thing. I mean, you know, it's just, we've done political news for a long time. Right. And, and that began to wear on me because it was depressing. You know, we're all at home by ourselves. And then, you know, my job, which, you don't get into doing what we do. You do it because you love the, you love the games. You love the camaraderie and all that. And when that was taken away, it was tough. And it's still been tough. Although, you know, we've, we've come out of the other side a little bit. And, um, and there are games. And we still do some of that news. But, you know, it was, it was hard for a long time. I, I, you know, it, it just was. It was hard to be creative. I, um, you know, March, March hits February, you know, March – April, May, June, and and like you mentioned, the, the social justice conversation here in the U.S. And you know, as a African American man, it's it's I hate to use the word obligated um, to to speak or obligated to uh, be a part of this everyday conversation. But you know, I, I love what you said there. You know, we do it for the love of the games, the love of uh, being entertainers. You know, I, I I say this all the time on the radio. I don't know that I'm a necessarily a huge sports fan as much as I am a fan of competition, watching it on television, mm-hmm. competing in my market. Like I, I just like how fast these, this job moves. But when you talk about, you know, the political aspect and, and um, you know, using our platforms in the way that um, we can to maybe have, you know, affect a positive change is, is a kind of a blessing to have them. But, you know, once again, I don't know that people realize the difference between radio and television. Like I, th- this is like the difference between, um, like, I mean, I can't even describe, it's just so different. I mean, I, I am a completely different animal and I'm allowed so much more freedom than you ever could have. I mean, and it's not like you have 35 bosses that are keeping an eye on you. It's just that this narrative that, you know, TV personalities have to be a little more conservative. Um, you know, I, 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 you are a friend of mine and I have an idea where you stand with all these things. And, um, I'm curious to know, was it difficult for you to kind of go through, I mean, the conversation in itself, you know, George Floyd's murder and, Brianna Taylor and all these things like it's just this this massive eye-opening uh slap in the entire United States face and then you're expected to do what tiptoe around it you know kind of um just 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 report the news I mean that's got to be difficult also yeah um you know I think you know that's one of the we tried to just report the news you know I think you know in, in tv and radio it's definitely different um you're so personality driven and I'm not, and I wouldn't say that we're not, but, um, we try not to be the story. You know, I don't want to be the story so much as I want to be able to, to tell the, the stories, especially when you get into the, the political realm and, you know, we're in such a hot button time. And so in some ways I try to get out of the way, you know, I don't want to be the story when I'm talking about Chuba Hubbard or Mike Gundy. You know, it's right. not my place to be the story. It's, it's I'm telling their story. And so, you know, that's what I try to do. 
Um, but it's tough sometimes, man. And especially in a world of social media these days where you're expected to take an online stand or, or you know, one thing or another, I think that's, that's where it becomes more difficult is in, in an online world, people expect everybody to be an advocate for one thing or another. And so when you're trying to stay out of the way, that is the most difficult. The TV part is the, is the simplest part of it. It's the social media part where you're, um, you're supposed to, to be more out there. Right. And, and so, you know, I just try to get out of the way, you know, like I said, it's not my story. It's, Chuba's story or Mike Gundy's story or, or whoever's Chris Paul's story. Right. It's not mine. I, uh, I find that, you know, the black and white conversation is getting tiresome for me. You know, this is nothing but 200 shades of gray, right? And everybody's got, sure. uh, a, you know, a different opinion and, and it's based off of different experiences and uh, different relationships and, and the whole nine yards. And yeah, I'm very tired of people telling others that you've just got to, you've got to choose this or choose that. And the reality is just more open conversations is going to help us all. Um, let's, let's switch gears here because not only did you have to go through the last eight months as a, uh, as a news anchor and trying to, you know, not seeing your co-host and obviously it's been difficult, yeah. but you and your wife brought a child <laughs> into this, <laughs> uh, into this world. And I, I don't, what, what is the, uh, what is, what's the name? Uh, his name is Jet. Okay. Um, J E T T Brian, uh, which is obviously my name, but Brian is actually my mom's maiden name. And so, um, you know, I, that was kind of a way for us to keep that name going. And, uh, so jet Brian Keating. Yeah, man, that's been a, it's been a wild deal too. Um, you know, it's, I don't have any idea what bringing a kid into this world in under normal circumstances would be, but this ain't it. Right. You know, this, it, it's, it's that's been hard too because um like my sister hasn't even got to come see him wow yeah like um, we're, we're like neighbors and i thought to myself well i'll just have brian because I've, I've got this cool little you know podcast room now and i thought i'll just have him come here and and uh we'll just knock it out in person and then i thought oh no he's not going anywhere because of that baby right i mean you're right. yeah you're not you're not interacting with anybody no that that's made it that's made it uh we've been on lockdown more than just about anybody anybody I know because of, of him. And, you know, I think maybe you get to a point here pretty soon where his immune system's built up a little bit. And I know the numbers and who's all the most susceptible, but that doesn't mean I want anybody to get it. And right. so we've been as careful as anybody out there. And so, you know, the, during the first lockdown, my wife's pregnant. Holy smoke. We can't, she can't get sick. Um, and so, yeah, we haven't seen anybody, man. We've seen my parents and her mom and my niece and that's it in literally since March. I'm kind of, I kind of want to, I'm kind of curious because, you know, I've been through this process a couple of times now, but what was your, like your hospital protocol like? Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, I missed out on a lot, man. And that was hard because. I couldn't go. I went to one doctor's appointment as we found out she was pregnant. And then I went to a doctor's appointment in maybe January. I don't remember. And that's when we found out that it was boy. Uh, we didn't do any of these silly gender reveals. I can't right. even imagine what it must be like to get a golf club and hit a ball and have everybody cheer like that. Just seems so ridiculous to me. <laughs> so um, we definitely didn't do that. Uh, the, the doctor asked us that, that she said, do you, uh, do you want to know what it is? And we're like, yeah, we do. We don't, we don't want any of this silly stuff. Um, 
And then that was it. That's the only time I ever got to go to the doctor. And so I missed all the kind of doctor's appointments leading up. And my wife, gosh, she said it was like going to war the time she had to go to the hospital. And this would have been, this would have been early on, like March, April. Um, she had to go to Mercy Hospital and she, she hadn't been to a grocery store. She hadn't had a mask on at that point. And she said, you know, there's like army people at the hospitals. And so crazy. Um, I missed all that. And then we, we got to the hospital for the delivery and we can only have one person there. And I remember they plugged her in and I, I could hear the heartbeat, you know, as she's getting ready to deliver. And I thought to myself, man, that's, that's like the first time I've gotten to hear that. And she was just blown away. She's like, right. Oh my gosh, you're, you're so right. And so, you know, I miss a lot of stuff and, and that, that's disappointing, but you know, obviously worked out, but the hospital stay was weird. Uh, just being at the hospital in general was weird. All the protocols, all the check-ins. I mean, it did feel in some ways like you were in like a war zone. You know, I've got all these wristbands on and, uh, people taking temperature and doing double checks in all, in all the hospital places. Uh, it was, it was a surreal deal. And that was in July. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was not, well, it's happy, to, but it's all worked out, man. It's all worked out. It's been good. Yeah, no, we're happy to hear that. Uh, little jet is, is happy and healthy. Um, yeah. and, and hopefully a future Oklahoma state cowboy, uh, at a time, <laughs> at a time that maybe the football team is a little bit better. Uh, I called Brian yesterday. I was like, man, you want to, you want to do this pod with me? And, and we'll talk a little bit about just life in general. And obviously about our Oklahoma state Cowboys who played this last weekend against the, uh, Tulsa golden hurricane, a team that practiced like nine times in the last oh, she month. Good, didn't they? Look good. National championship ready, baby. So I, um, I went up to Stillwater, did a pregame show quickly at the new Bad Brad's location, and I hopped on the bike and rode back down to Edmond to watch the game. So I'm about 30 minutes late, 20 minutes late, 25 minutes late to the start of this thing, and I tweet out that I'm, I'm a little bit behind, but I'm going to watch this game. And So Brian texts me, and he says, <laughs> I know you're behind, <laughs> but don't watch the second quarter. And I, <laughs> this is like right after I had watched that 16 play three point drive. And I thought that was miserable to watch. Like they moved the ball down yeah. the field, but it was miserable to watch. And he says, don't watch the third quarter. And so I pause it and I'm like, well, I got to watch this game. But if Keating is texting me that it is going to get terrible. And it absolutely did. And I feel like probably yeah. the, the best way to, to do this would be let, let's talk about some positives first, right? Um, okay. I, I don't know how you felt about the defense, but I, I am super op, op, you know, optimistic that that unit is going to be one of your top probably 25 or 30 units in the country this year if the offense can stay on the field, right? And that's the narrative for every good defense. They got to get a little right. help from their offense. But, man, they fly around the football field. The Rodriguez gives the sideline to sideline. You know, it's there's just a lot of you know, you gotta love Trace Ford, who is going to be a big time NFL player one day. I mean, Ooh. there's so much positive to talk about Jim Knowles' defense in Stillwater right now. There's no doubt about it, man. Um, you know, I know they just played one game against Tulsa and, and you know, you could kind of poo poo that if you want, but I don't care who you are, you're playing um an American conference opponent, um, with a with a with a potential NFL quarterback, you hold anybody to seven points, you've done a heck of a job, especially when your offense isn't getting any first downs. Um, I think the thing that impressed me the most about them was the way they tackled. Absolutely. You know, I I, I, uh, I said 
and this was going into the OU game, and uh, I don't want to make it about OU, but I, I remember thinking, I expect to see some bad football all across the country because people haven't practiced. They haven't practiced the same guys. Then COVID in and out of the lineup, who can even be around the facility? So I expected to see some bad football. And that was probably what impressed me the most about watching OU play for the first week is that, holy smokes, that there wasn't bad football. And you know they've had guys in and out of the lineup. Um, and I thought that about the OSU defense. I thought, man, they haven't tackled. Like, they haven't barely had a scrimmage. They, this is their first go at it. And, you know, um, there was a, a play on a crossing route. I remember I, I, McAllister, I think, um, made made the tackle right, you know, a yard and a half before the first. And I, I thought, that's a heck of a play. And and that's what we saw the entire afternoon. So I think that that defense will travel. They got a lot of guys who played a lot of football. Malcolm Rodriguez a really, really good football player. I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that's going to be big enough and physical enough to play in the NFL. But as college football players go, he is kind of – you circle the definition of great college football player. Uh, Trace Ford's got a chance to be a Big 12 player of the year kind of guy. He's that talented. And there's a lot of guys around there. So. All I heard out of preseason camp was this defense has a chance to be really, really, really good. And none of the coaches, when you ask them about it, would, would poo-poo that at all. And from what I saw on Saturday, they got a chance to be very good. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And the thing that you got to love is there's, a, there's clearly an understanding from everyone that takes part in that defense, right? If you watch them move in the pre-snap, you know, adjust the motions of the offense, there's no confusion. There's no pointing or or yelling or you're in the wrong spot or having to waste timeouts. I mean, think about how far this defense has just come in the last three years uh, from just an organizational standpoint. They look like they get it. They look like they understand. And uh, that, to me, is is probably just as important as, as anything we're talking about as the individuals are concerned. They get it. They understand what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. I am um, I'm very interested to see you know as far as what they're when they get out of their base defense you know what kind of teeth they have because you're right they tackle super well but that, yeah. I think there's a ton of speed out there and when you add Calvin Bundage back into the mix and he's just roving around the field imagine what they look like when they can get a little creative or they need to get a little creative I I'm with you I think they have a lot of options there and this is what they imagined when Jim Knowles came to Stillwater. And it's what we hadn't seen until really the middle of last season. And then you could see the understanding, and it, it's kind of like the light bulb went off. After a year and a half, you go, oh, okay, I, they, they're they starting to get it, and they're starting to play at a much higher level. And and so now you see why Mike Gundy likes him out of Duke. Um, and so I, I think there's a ton of potential for this defense to keep them in every single football game. And that, that might include, you know, against Oklahoma. Um, you, you're obviously going to have to score in the Big 12 to be competitive. They're going to have to be much better offensively. But, you know, that defense will travel, and it, it should keep them in just about every game. You know, when there's not many times the OSU defenses have been asked to win football games. And at the end of last season, they were asked to win some football games and did. And I think this defense is capable if the offense is is not, you know, up to certainly playing without a back, you know, with a backup quarterback potentially. I think this defense can keep them in most games. And now for the negative. Huh. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, offensively was, I mean, it, it was a complete disaster from yeah. essentially the start of the game to the end. Um, you know, obviously to see Spencer Sanders go out with a lower leg injury, it looks like it's going to be a high ankle sprain. Who knows what his – 
uh, t- you know, what, t- how long does it take him to get back? I've had those, Brian, that lasted three weeks. I've had that lasted three months, right? And yeah. the position I played allowed me to play, you know, even a month and a half into that three-month period, but it, the pain never went away. It's a terrible injury, and the last thing you want to hear from uh, one of your more dynamic players, especially on the ground. So that's a huge loss there. And then what we see, you know, after that, Bullet comes in, and, you know, you don't know a whole lot about him. He's been on campus for just a few months. He transferred from a school that is about the size of a, you know, pinhead, and it's like, well, what's the kid yeah. got? And clearly, he doesn't have enough. I think the only right. reason we saw him come back after halftime, Brian, honestly, is they made like six moves on the offensive line. And I think once they realized that maybe they had found the only combination that wasn't going to get someone killed is when they decided to send Inlingsworth in the game and it got a little better from there. But, I mean, there's just so much to break down here. Tuba Hubbard has 35 first half yards. 35? Mm-hmm. What the, I mean, it's it's crazy, and I and you don't necessarily feel like Mike Gundy's been raving about the offense all summer long by any means, but come on, we we all even with the loss of two starters on the offensive line to be able to mandle, manhandle Tulsa is the expectation, right? Sure. There, there's no way you should go out there and and they lost that game. Tulsa lost Tulsa lost that game on their own. Oklahoma State did not beat them. If Tulsa doesn't make mistakes, Tulsa wins. There's no way that an Oklahoma State team should ever be in that position. And it just seems like this is way more than just a this season problem. Like, how are they this void of talent offensively? It's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and I'm curious to see how the offensive line works itself out in the next couple of weeks. And, and maybe I'm willing to give them a little bit more of a break um, for a week because of what I said a minute ago. You know, I expected to see some bad football. And that offensive line play looked like guys who, who had just met, you know. Absolutely. Um, looked, like, looked like five guys who had never been on the field together um, at any point. And so maybe, that's, maybe some of that is to be expected. Um, but it's got to get better. And, and you know, um, they're not going to go anywhere if that's the offensive line play that they get. And then I, I thought it was interesting after the game, Casey Dunn um, said, we were kind of shell-shocked at the beginning because, you know, here we are, we've spent all summer, we've worked hard to get out to play at all. And on the first drive of the first series of the first quarter of the first game, our starting quarterback gets hurt and he's gone. He said it was kind of shocking to everybody. And that's not an excuse. That's just what he said. And so um, they're going to have to be a lot better. You know, the quarterback thing, I get to some degree, I think Mike wanted to put the veteran, or at least, you know, not a veteran at OSU, but just a guy that had played football before. You know, let's just put this guy out there and maybe he can not make some mistakes. But it was clear pretty fast. And then you, you obviously, they should have gone to the, the kid far earlier. But maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, I, I, I love sitting next to you at a game because I learned so much about the offensive line. And that's, you don't, even, you don't watch any of the other part of the game hard. <laughs> Like, oh, Chuba got the ball? I didn't, I didn't see it. I have no idea. I've just been watching these five guys block. Uh, it's pretty – it's amazing. You can hardly know what happened in the play, but you know exactly what happened with the offensive line play. And so maybe you're right about that, about the shuffling and the, the retooling of the offensive line, and that's why they didn't play the kid. But it's clear that that's, that's what they have to do. And he gave them some juice. Oh, and, yeah, no, he, um, he was great. I, I mean, mean he, 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 he gave them some juice. And, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, players – they know who's been playing well in practice. 
And I get that um, that he hadn't, I, you know, here the story is that, that he hadn't practiced in a couple of weeks because he's been kind of on COVID quarantine. And so, you know, that's another reason I can understand that they didn't want to go to him. He's a freshman. He got there in spring practice. Well, we don't have spring practice. I'm um, sure he went home to California, and he just hadn't he hadn't been there enough. But you got to put your most talented players out there, and it was pretty clear that he's one of them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question about that. You saw the average attempt at, at passing go up like you know 200. percent I mean, the guy he, yeah. he was fantastic throwing the football down the field, and clearly in a situation, it's a pretty good play just to throw it up to two. You yeah, know? Uh, well, yeah, just, yes. just just throw it up to two and and let that guy help you. And, you know, and that, look, that's pretty good offense. You know, I, I would say that there was probably a little bit more than him just throwing it up. I think a lot of people, you know, were kind of OU fans in particular. Oh, he's just throwing it lobs up to. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I get that, but there's got to be a little ball placement there, and, and a couple of those passes were, oh, yeah. were pretty darn good and, and put in positions where only, you know, two could go and get them. You know, talk about Tylen Wallace, who was one of the best receivers in the country that was held to zero catches in the first half of a game. Pretty exceptional, um, you know, player there that they just struggled to find a way to use. So if, if we're looking towards this weekend in West Virginia, who offers an entirely different challenge when you consider – uh, their defensive front and the ability that they have to really kind of wreak havoc on this Oklahoma State offensive line that clearly is not up to speed. Uh, you, you wonder if we see Bullock again, because do you want to, like, you you lose kids like this, Brian. You can lose offensive linemen by getting their butts kicked too early in their career. You can sure as hell lose quarterbacks mentally if you put them in a situation where they're not used to being hit at all, which I'm guessing Illingsworth is not because he's a high school stud. Yeah, I'm guessing he was right. protected on that level. So... Now he's going to do what? Start for Oklahoma State because Spencer Sanders can't, and he's just going to get annihilated in his first game, have a bad performance, potentially get hurt. I mean, I, I just I don't know if if this kid starts on Saturday. It clearly they feel like they've got enough to protect him, or a strategy put in place where he's not going to just get annihilated because they can't risk what it, what is clearly uh, going to be a part of the future of Oklahoma State football. Well, they have to play him. I mean, I I'm, I don't subscribe to any uh, theory where there's a there's a guy that's the better player, which Hillingworth is, and you don't put him out there because you're scared something might happen. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. And if Spencer Sanders can't go, now it's up to Casey Dunn to come up with a plan to play a freshman in a difficult situation. And I think what we've seen from Oklahoma State in years past, when, when they're a little bit afraid of their quarterback, is they'll do two things. They'll try to run the ball, obviously. They'll throw it sideways, and then they'll throw it deep down the field. You know, they don't they don't ask him to get to a second or third reads. They rarely throw the ball over the middle. Um, they they get to be pretty predictable, but they've had good enough skill guys that they've been able to to get through that. And then they'll rely on their defense. But um, if Spencer Sanders can't go, I mean, you have to put the kid out there, and you just have to you have to game plan for him and try to help him through it. But you got to play your best players. I mean, I. That's the one thing in the Big 12. If you're not trying to win every game and you're not putting your best players out there, then you're not doing it right. Pretty crazy to think that this is where we're sitting just one game into the season. Uh, and, yeah. you know, we're talking about just the normal stuff that Oklahoma State needs to do to get ready for this weekend, not to mention the fact that COVID is looming over every football program that is attempting to play at this point. You know, we got reports today saying that Oklahoma's game against Kansas State might be in jeopardy uh, due to the Wildcats having a hard time with their numbers. And, you know, we, we would hope that Mike Gundy would come up with a strategy that was going to, one, you know, help Chuba Hubbard run the damn football, which is a must. They cannot not have that kid be great uh, this year. And so he's got to do that, and he's got to find a way to protect this kid. 
but you don't necessarily 100% know that you're going to have everybody you need to do those things. Like, that's how wild this is. So as, as angry as I was on Saturday, I think what you said, you know, to, to kind of start this, this football talk here was, is, I mean, just realistic. Like, you have to be, I don't want to say forgiving, but you have to just be understanding, I guess, and think to yourself, I mean, as much as you would think you're, you're a $4 million or your former $5 million head coach, find a way to be better than what you are. We have no idea what the process leading up to that first game looked like. How many, how many times Oklahoma state had to practice with all offensive linemen uh, on board. And, and maybe they just got those five guys back this, this last week. We have no clue, right? I mean, there, there's been no transparency in Stillwater regards to, uh, their COVID conversation. So, you know, maybe what we saw was just the the worst case scenario for Oklahoma State and that this week will be significantly better because they'll get a guy or two back. I mean, who knows? No, I mean, I think I think that's what we're going to – there's a couple things here. One, I think that's true. I mean, I know you look out there and you demand that all these teams look like they would normally look on a on a college football Saturday. But that's just not realistic in this day and age. They didn't have spring football. They, they couldn't really be around in the spring. And I'm not even talking about just OSU. I'm just talking about college football in general. Um, I, we're going to have to expect some things to look not, not as clean. I think you've seen that in the NFL. I Agreed. think you've seen that's the reason why guys are getting hurt. Um, we have to sort of be understanding because everything is, is not normal. We don't know the COVID situations. Um, but I do think it will get better as the year goes on for a couple of reasons. One, because you're obviously going to have these position groups get more comfortable as we go along. And two, I know it sounds probably bad, but more guys will have gotten COVID. So that means less guys can get it again. And less guys, you're just going to have less guys out of the lineup the farther we get into it because more guys will have already had it and can't get it again. Right. And so, and so football is going to look better. I mean, I, th- those are two things. I think you're going to have less COVID issues the farther you get along in the season and um, less guys are going to be able to get it. You know, it sounds, you know, I, I know the idea was for everyone not to get COVID, not to get COVID and let's be all safe in the summer. You know, you see a report that Texas Tech, I think, had like 75 of the 100 guys already have COVID. You go, well, shoot, they're in a great spot now. Right. As far as football goes, you know, they're not going to have guys going in and out of the lineup and, um, it's just a strange year. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to expect some some things just not look as clean as we're used to, at least until we get three, four, five weeks down the road. But, you know, for OSU talking off the line, it's got to be better. I mean, they're not going to win big 12 games scoring 16 points. Their, their defense is pretty good, but, I mean, let's, let's be clear about that. I don't know what your gut is telling you right now. And, you know, with everything that we just said, it's almost ridiculous to try to predict these games. Um, but you oh, know, yeah. West Virginia scores, what, 40 points in their opener? Like, who in the hell saw that coming? Not this guy, right? And, the, and their <laughs> defensive front looks like it's playing some of the better football that you're seeing in the country uh, right now. So it's kind of hard not to get a little bit like, oh, sh- oh shit here. Like, like I, I have no uh, – it's, it's just I'm a little bit panicked that they're going to maybe get smacked around a little bit in the way that's uh, a little revealing to every other team in this league. Like, I'm, I'm having that – there was one point in June that I would have told you that Oklahoma State could have won nine or nine, nine games and, and got, gave themselves a semifinal opportunity. Right? I would have told you that. And now I'm sitting here with you on this podcast thinking, are they going to win three or four games? <laughs> it's 
beautiful. No, no, this is Sam. You're just like my dad. I love it because my dad. I mean, he is the he is the everything is great or the total doom and gloom guy, right. and it's just it's 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 lovely, you know. Whether it's OSU or the Thunder or whatever, you know. Uh, I mean, everything is the implications of everything. And I, I I think OSU still has a chance to be really good. Um, I don't. I don't think we should overreact after um, one afternoon in Stillwater where the starting quarterback got hurt on the first possession. Right. And I, I think that I think I, I don't. I'm not much for overreaction, anyways. Um, but they clearly have to be better. And I and I think you know I don't know a lot about Eastern Kentucky, but I think Tulsa is a, a step up considerably from Eastern Kentucky as well. And I know. Here in the state of Oklahoma, you go, well, Tulsa, they're, they're no good. And I'm not sitting here saying Tulsa's a great football program. But American Conference football is legit football. And um, and so I think, you know, level of competition was was different. And West Virginia, we're going to find out. I mean, um, you know, that's traditionally a, a pretty good football program. So I would expect them to be very competitive. Um, OSU's handled them very well over the last five years. They've won five in a row. So, um so we'll see, but I, I'm not much for overreaction. One one Saturday does not make a season. Um, they just couldn't lose, and they didn't lose. So at least they get to lace them up and play again with big dreams on Saturday. The uh, the optimistic Brian Keating, I I appreciate that, my friend. I, I really I, I do. I don't know if I'm optimistic. I just you know or I, realistic. Not, I think probably. I'm not a I'm not a doom and gloomer. You know, right. I, I uh, after a after one week or one. You know, I always said, like I said, I, my dad is the – he's Mr. Doom and Gloom. I mean, I, oh, my God, they didn't play well in the fourth quarter. They're, they're, they might not win another game all year. Slow down. You know, one out of 82 in the NBA does not make a, uh, does not make a season. And the first game when you lose your starting quarterback in the first quarter does not make a season either. Um, you know, if they have won, let's, let's just assume Sanders stays in the game. They score three, three touchdowns, and they win it. 31 to 7. Would you feel better? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I, I so, think I think probably the hard part so, for me, though, is seeing how that would have even been possible, even if he was in the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's where my brain is yeah. at. But you're right. You're right. I mean, it's a starting quarterback. Who knows what they would have done or what plays right. that they had planned for him that they didn't run, et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. There's too many factors that we just don't know to, in order to get too terrified. But, you know, I looked at the line. I think that. Oklahoma State's like yeah, a seven yeah. or eight point favorite, right? Yeah, and I think they ought to be. I mean, I think OSU will win the game. I think their defense will uh, will keep them in it. I think they'll figure out just enough offense, but I don't. I don't think it'll be pretty. I mean, we've gotten used to a little bit of watching OSU play kind of ugly style games, and Mike coaches a little Pat Jonesy, and um, but when he when he thinks he has a better team. Mike usually tries to let it play itself out. And I hate watching it at times, but, man, he's been successful. And so it's hard to totally criticize him for it. But I would expect OSU to win the game. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not a doom and gloomer here. I, I, uh, I think they'll be better. And with a week of figuring out who their quarterback is going to be and, and what, what they can run, um, I, I think they'll be much better on Saturday. Brian, congrats on Baby Jets, and thank you so much thank for your time, you. my friend. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, anytime. Um, it was fun just to be on the pod and uh, and talk to you. It's been a while since we've seen anybody, you know. I, I haven't seen any friends, hadn't I've talked a lot on the phone to people, but uh, it was good to talk to you, man. It was fun. Yeah, you too. Maybe this uh, spring I'll be able to meet the little guy and we'll be able to sit down and yeah. have a beer or two. I know, man. You just live, you know, like 
half a mile away, but, um, you know, hopefully the world changes in a positive way here in the, in the short term and, and we can get back to a little bit of normalcy. I'm, I'm counting the days. Same. All right, brother. I appreciate you. See you, man. Later. The Sam Mays podcast is a production of P squared media.